to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Match Podcast. And this week on the show, I am welcoming back a good friend of the show and guest, Mr. Carlos Cruz. And last time I talked to Carlos, he was competing in Arte Suave and he was a blue belt. But now that Carlos is back, he's got a color change to that belt. So you know, congrats to Carlos and welcome to the show, Carlos. How you doing, man? Thank you, thank you, Jake. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, the last time I had reached out to you because I was the blue belt, 170 pound Arte Swab champion, and the belt had you know had your um, your your name on it, BJJ Wiki. So I was like, yo, I have your belt, but I actually vacated it. I didn't get a chance to defend it. And I got promoted to purple belt. And uh, the next Arte Suave is in November 4th, I think, around there. And I had talked to Fredo uh, already, and he's th- he's thinking that uh, my next match will be for purple belt title. Okay. Someone holds the purple belt title right now. So I'll go and challenge him for it. All right. Sounds, sounds solid. Yeah, we I remember when we had previously talked, and even off off air, like uh, in in uh, on Instagram, I mentioned like wanting to come out and catch one of the, the events, and you're like, you know, come out to the July one. That's where I'm going to be competing. And life fell through on my end, so I was like, okay, well, we're probably not going anywhere uh, for travel. Yeah. And then a teammate of mine, he and I kind of discussed possibly coming out for the November event. But, you know, he's got a lot going on on his end. And then also, I know for us here, my, my wife's like, you're not going anywhere in November because just all the stuff with family and holidays upcoming. So it's like, ah, oh, well, whatever, man. So that being what it is, I will get out there to see one of these events and, and cheer yeah. you along. But, um, but as far as I, the, the November 4th event, coming up for you for Arte Suave, you know, you're going to be challenging uh, for the purple time. So is it official? Is it, it's uh, still kind of a thing in the works? Mm, you know, I, I think it's, it's still in the works, you know, there's no like announcement for it or anything yet, but I, I spoke to him and he's, and it looks like that will be the next match for me. Okay. Um, I, I think so for, um, the major tournaments, IBJF tournaments, I'm going to be making my descent down to featherweight. Um, usually, I compete at, at lightweight. Um, I'm I'm, always, I'm walking around like I 170, so I cut a few pounds for lightweight. Um, so I think I want to challenge myself, get a little bit more competitive, and do featherweight. Um, yeah, so I told him that, but. <laughs> Because right now there's a 155 pound purple belt champion. He's defended his belt already. And then there's a 170 pound purple belt champion who hasn't defended it in like a year. Uh, but we'll see which one I, uh, I'll i take or which one's available. <laughs> well, 
either way it goes, I think, you know, I think stepping in there as a new blood, you know, for the belt should be exciting for the uh, the champion and you as the challenger. That sounds exciting. Real exciting. So I actually uh, competed two weekends ago in Vegas. Uh, Yes. Jiu-Jitsu battle in calibration with Evolve Your Game. It was an eight-man pro bowl tournament. Two people pulled out, so it turned into a six-man tournament. But it was my pro bowl ball debut. Uh, I submitted my first opponent with an armbar. And then I lost my second match. Um, I lost my second match to this to someone who I've lost to before. Um, he's, you know, he's like two weight classes above me. But I felt like, you know, I have a, I felt like I could have beat him. But when the, when the time came, I changed my plan up. I was like, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to pull guard, keep his posture broken and armbar him. But he was just like, he's so strong and uh, so heavy. He just lifted me up with straight back. And then I just like separated. And then, um, yeah, I should have stuck to my original plan, which is just collar drag the fuck out of him. And then create a scramble. And then we'll go from there. So, you know, I, I got um, Kimura off of a triangle, but, you know, it was lessons for the next time to, to always just go in and, you know, just fight hard, you know, the safe, especially when a, t- a tournament like that, he was, um, he's medium heavy blue belt world champion. So it would have been a, you know, it was a great opportunity to face him again, to, you know, try and beat him. I've noticed that in your videos, whenever you post like that collar drag is, is aggressive like, oh, yeah. seem like whoosh, god good lord um and again then that scramble comes up and then next thing you know you got the arm and i'm like dude he, he's got a formula and and it works so you know good on you, you know what, I, go ahead sorry um yeah i recently started doing that where i just drag him and I shoot a triangle, and usually I'll, I'll get I'll get into a triangle position, or if they're quick enough and they move their head out the way, I'll get into an omoplata, and then from there I'll work a sweep, end up on top, or you know go for an armbar or something. But in this tournament, when I dragged him, um, he actually I missed the omoplata and I missed the triangle, and he got double unders on me, but I was able to get back up. So I always think about whenever I would talk to the kids, you know, those kids coach, you know, for a short period of time there. And at one of the tournaments, I remember saying to one of our competitors, she's going out there and she's nervous. I'm like, look, I'm nervous with you. This is my first time coaching. So I'm going to tell you what always sticks in my head. You know what you're here to do. You know your plan. They've got to stop it. Just go out there and do it. So, you know, like you say, you like you change the game plan up at the end, but like say you should have just collar dragged them in and went with it's like, hey man. I know. Dang it. I played two the role being safe. I mean, in that one, it cost me a you know, it was a mistake. Um, I mean, I not really. I mean, I pulled, I, I broke his posture down. I ended up in close guard where I wanted to be. But, you know, he, he just picked me up and I just, I, I felt like I had to drop to my feet. 
Um, and then and then he pulled guard, and then from there it was a wrap. He, you know, his grips. He started, you know, lassoing me up, um, and it was hard to break those grips. But that, that's um, that's my next uh, things to work on. A priority is grip breaking. You know, winning that grip fight. Yeah, I get you. That's one thing we in our Saturday class. Uh, we were talking uh, before we started recording uh, about now I'm going to the Saturday classes and I'm loving it. And that's one thing we, we work on is part of our warm up is grip fighting. I know I have a, a, a pretty strong grip. So it's like once I get a grip, you know, they're fighting my grip. I, I think that's good for, you know, the teammates who have to go with me. But it's also good for me to try to, okay, they, they're figuring it out. I got to learn how to readjust. But I think grip fighting is so important to to work on. And I feel like it's a lot of times underutilized and just not ignored. But people think, oh, well, if they grab onto me, I just, I know I just, you know, get out of there. But, we you know, when the time comes, so much is going on. And if you don't have like a formulated plan for fighting those grips, then you're just kind of in in kind of a improvisation, you know, mm-hmm. land at that point. Yeah, you're falling behind if, if they have other grips over you. Yeah. So with, you know, getting bumped up to Purple Belt and everything and, and you know, really just kind of continue your, your jiu-jitsu journey, you know, how are you feeling, you know, in that role, like getting promoted? Because I know a lot of people, you know, there are times when people get promoted, they feel kind of like, oh, man, like it's this new added responsibility or I'm not ready or, you know, something like that. Like, you know, when you got promoted, you know, what what was going on with you? Like, how were you feeling about it? So I was a blue belt for three years okay. and um, like year two of blue belt, I would constantly hear people telling me, oh, man, you're going to be a purple belt any day now. You're going to promote it any day. Um, and, you know, I would come to class and then, you know, like, you know, after people just, just telling me all this and I'd be like, am I going to get promoted today? And then I'm like, or to, but then, you know, I, I caught myself. I'm like, no, nah, just stop thinking that. I don't, Cause I didn't like having that thought pop up into my head because I'm here to train to get better. It's, you know, it's not really about the belt. And then I'm a pro, I'm a, then I'm a blue belt for another whole year. So imagine if I kept that, um, that mentality, like, Oh, what about today? What about today? Um, yeah. so I'm glad that, you know, I was able to, uh, to to knock those thoughts out of my head pretty really early on once they came and i just kept doing what i was doing uh still competing and then actually before i got my purple belt two weeks before that i had a a nogi fight on um, kratos submission wrestling basically arte swap they're, they're the same thing against the purple belt um as a blue belt still right and i heel hooked him um so when I got promoted to purple belt, you know, I was happy, felt good, but I, I don't think I had those thoughts where like, oh, I'm not ready enough or, or whatever, um, you know, because I I'm, I was confident in my jujitsu, and I go to a bunch of open mats where I'm already like subbing purple belts, maybe a few brown belts. Um, so I, I wasn't really thinking that, you know, I was just like, all right, let's keep going, um, you know, uh, but at the same time, keeping level headed. Like, you know, it's going to be more challenging. It's going to be, you know, people are, are better than more technical. Um, but other than that, 
you know, it's just uh, business as usual. I always think about, you know, the promotions. You know, there's some people, you know, again, they get promoted and they feel like, you know, are you sure? Like, should I be here? And then it's like you say, you're blue belt for three years and, you know, you've been, you know, playing your game. You're out there kicking ass. So it's almost like a, you know, huh, purple belt. All right. Well, keep it moving. Like, like <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of how it was. Yeah, yeah. A few people messaged me like they were saying, oh, when's your next competition? Are you going to wait a while? And then that was like the same things I would hear when I just got my blue belt. People would be like, oh, you know, uh, uh, or someone else that just got their blue belt. They say, you know, I kind of want to wait like six months or something before I go do a competition just because, you know, blue belt is such a wide spectrum. But then you, you hear someone, you hear the same thing about purple belt. You hear the same thing about every belt. So that's more like of a, um, maybe like, you know, like a confidence thing, like, oh, I'm not ready. Yeah. But you never, you, you'll never feel ready for anything. You, you always just have to go and do it and see how it goes. Um, and then, you know, maybe the outcome will surprise you. And you're ready. You're ready the whole time, all along. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, the the white belt going to blue belt, kind of like, uh, let me hang out for a minute, and then I've seen uh, blue belts go to purple and just keep rolling. It's like they get promoted, and it's like they had a competition coming up anyway, so they're like, okay, just got to move it up to purple belt now, no longer blue belt. And I've you know seen that with purple going to brown as well, so. I think, you know, ideally it's just, you know, you're working, keep working. There, there's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to change a little bit, but not really. You, you're here to do jiu-jitsu. Keep moving. Yeah. Right? yeah, and who cares if you lose, right? Like, obviously everyone wants to win. It feels good and all that yeah. stuff. But when I lost my second match at uh, in Vegas, I was kind of, you know, obviously, you know, disappointed in um, not that I lost, but in, in the performance, uh, like I told you, like, oh, I didn't I didn't play the game that I wanted. I should have done. But that's how you like even in the matches that I win, um, so the mistakes will still stand out more than like the arm bar. Like I'll be like, oh, I know I can do the arm bar, but I want to be able to hit these other techniques or the, oh, this wasn't the smoothest. Like, you know, I, I like looking at those mistakes. Um, so I wasn't really too like, you know, I was actually I went outside. So some of the people that were organizing the event, they took out like a bottle of Jack Daniels and that offered me a shot. So I took a shot, uh, sat fr- front row, watched like the, the guy who beat me and the other guy. And it was an amazing match. It was awesome. I got better watching that match. Good. Good. And I always think about, you know, just sitting back and kind of observing at that point. And, you know, a lot of people observe, you know, different ways. You know, it's just like they're just there to watch it. Or sometimes people are there just kind of downplaying who they lost to. It's like it, th- there's a, a lot to be said about somebody that goes and watches an opponent and not only say, hey, it was a good match, but also you're absorbing and you're mm-hmm. learning. Like, okay, you know, that's something interesting. Or, you know. I'll, I'll look into that, you know, just picking up different things. I think that's something that in our community in itself is really big. It's just like we really learn from each other, you know, of a teammate who 
every time I roll with him, you know, he brings something new to the role. And that's something for me now to absorb and figure out, okay, either I got to figure out the counter to that or, you know, after class, like, how'd you do that? Or what were you doing there? You know, there's always something to learn with jujitsu from anyone, really. Even I know we, you know, make jokes about white belts and, and whatnot, but, you know, there's stuff that can be learned from white belts, too. Um, there's this young lady, I think I talked to her the other day. She said she was tra- she's been training since March. And she's destructively strong. Like, it's just like, I'm not understanding it. But, you know, afterward, you know, I sat and talked with her because she just got really good pressure and just she clings. I was like, dude, like, mm-hmm. where are you picking this up from? She's like, I watch a lot of video. So like, I spend almost all my time at home just watching videos. I was like, oh, okay. That's pretty interesting because, um, you know, you'll, you'll see like, you know, your, your teammates or some people maybe you don't like talk to too much and you just go in and train, uh, you know, and not, not really dissect the role after. But then, you know, like you just said, like it, this white belt watching lots of video. Uh, so, you know, you might you, you don't know that just by like, you know, watching them or rolling with them. But it just shows like yeah. their dedication, how, how much they're, they're really trying to invest their time into this to learn. Yeah, that, I, I think that's big because I remember, I feel like she's, I don't think she's been training since March. I think it's been less time. I feel like it's been less time with us because um, I feel like I remember her first class and it was probably like May or June oh, or something okay. it feels like. I but, feel like white belts always add an extra month in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that is true. I'm, 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 there, I'm there almost every day at my gym and then I ask them, oh, how long have you been training? And the guy was like four months, and I'm like, I haven't seen you. <laughs> For like, are you, has it been here? Like, like <laughs> are you sure? Um, but yeah, like, you know, just having this conversation because I rode her uh, twice yesterday. The first time, you know, she was standing there and she looked over, gave me a nod. I was like, all right, let's go, kid. And she likes to go for that uh, arm drag and try to get your back. I was like, nah. I, look, I know you're. I've, I know you now. You're not. I'm not <laughs> letting you do that. You got. You got to earn this takedown. Um, yeah. And it was kind of a you know stalemate. You know, I wasn't getting her. She wasn't getting me. So I, I, you know, I sat the guard, and she passed quick. I was like, oh wow. Like okay, she's like she's about to make me earn the sweep. So let me, yeah, let me go ahead and figure this out. But you know, it was it was a fun role, and then. Uh, the the last roll of the day, like we were the only two without a partner, so I was like, all right, let's roll again, let's go. Um, and it it was a lot of fun just kind of sorting out because again, the big thing with her is like she's and it's not like that. Like you know, we say to people, you're strong and you're only using strength. She's not using strength like the muscle things. She's like using her strength at times, like again, when you know she's got my back. Or, you know, she's using it the strength to control, but she's not using it to like, you know, muscle or submission. Muscle or out of stuff, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Putting she, that pressure on you. Yeah, and um, I think the one time I felt like she was using a little bit of strength, and it was like she was trying to stiff arm me, and I was like, okay, you're not gonna win this one, but yeah. like, like you are stronger than me in so many other ways. But either way, 
it's just like you know looking at who is this who is this chick like you're way stronger than you arm dragging you taking your back dude i don't know <laughs> like it, it, it's that's the weird thing about it too because it's like look man i'm not going light on you because you're a female like trust me like like I, I'm, I'm playing my game too but she's playing her game better right now and yeah. as a white belt she doesn't have a whole lot of you know tools in the toolbox but again her saying you know she watches a lot of technique uh videos online and she she's in class all the time so it's like you know obviously you know she's there for jiu-jitsu she's not like you know you'll see some people that'll come in uh do the trial and you can already kind of almost gather the folks that aren't looking to stick around you know they're like i'm gonna try it out because i you know it looked cool oh i didn't think it was gonna be this why like why is this person you know mounted on my stomach like why like why why are they climbing up down their knees or my armpits you know or this person is attached to my back like a backpack i didn't think this what what jujitsu was all about um and then they don't show back up whereas this young lady um and I feel like I, I feel like she's been trained since June. I just feel like that was her first class when when I encountered her before. But um, or even so, early on seeing her, you know, every time she worked with somebody, if there's a move that we worked on that day, that's what she's doing. You know, she's watching video, but she's not like watching video and then trying to come into class and do a, a flying hill hook. You know, she she's not doing crazy stuff. You know, she's doing the techniques that we worked on that day. And, you know, then the stuff that she's pulling from video, I, I think, which is weird because it's like, well, you're watching video, but, you know, like, what are you watching? Because it's like you can watch stuff talking about pressure, but unless you're really getting out there to work on applying pressure, I don't know that you can really say, okay, I'm watching video about pressure, but you're not drilling pressure. You know, you got to. Yeah, you know, it's like. You learn from like you know from doing it and then making the mistake. You can only learn so much from the theory. Yes, yes, but either way, like kudos to this young lady and kudos to anybody that's a white belt coming in, and and really rolling with the game and and, and mm-hmm. sticking with it, because you know once those cats get get to blue belt, it's like now you're really applying it. Now you're really pulling in jujitsu, uh, like you're here. Um, and you know, for everyone saying, you know, well, all the blue belts quit. I mean, obviously not because you got purple belts, brown belts, and black belts out there. So, um, it's it's, it's just a joke. Yeah, I never actually. Uh, well, yeah, I never actually felt like felt like quitting blue belt. I would make jokes because of that joke, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. quitting this week. But like, but you know, no, nothing really serious. I got into one spot where I almost quit, but it wasn't, <clears throat> I don't think it was a serious thing. It was more of a, like, I need some time. I need to figure something out because I, mm-hmm. I just felt like I was kind of in this stale, like I, I was in a stalemate with myself, but it wasn't a matter of quitting as much as it was like a matter of like taking a step back and readjusting your stance. You taking know? a break. Yeah. And the only issue is though is like I was, and I guess I did kind of take a break, um, you know, unbeknownst to myself. But 
like when I think of a break, it's like I want to be away from jujitsu, you know, like nothing to do with it. And I was afraid to do that though, because if I step completely away, then it's like, can I come back? Mm -hmm. So, and also before jujitsu, you know, all that extra time was filled with like just BS. It was just filled with junk. You know, me playing video games for countless hours, me um, eating junk food, uh, just just doing things that were destructive to my body, out drinking, out partying. Uh, once I got into jujitsu, a lot of that went away. I still eat junk food. I love it. It's delicious. Uh, and sometimes I play video games, but there's a cap on, on a time that I can do any of that because... I got notes to write. I got, you know, videos to, you know, look at. You got a podcast to write. Yeah, Yeah. I guess I keep forgetting about the podcast. Um, (laughs) Well, because for the podcast, I'll record like a bunch of episodes in like one month and then just kind of slowly put those out. Whereas, like, it's not really that big of a thing to remember. But like all those other things, you know, it takes up your time in a way that doesn't feel constructive. Whereas like, you know, jujitsu constructive doing the podcast constructive, um, reading and, you know, stuff like that, just kind of doing research on different things. Constructive playing video games for me is not constructive. I know it is for many others, but for me, it's just a, a, a gap filler. And, um, I get frustrated with that even. So, um, you know, at Blue Belt, you know, the idea of possibly quitting, it crossed my mind for a very brief moment. But then I remembered if I quit, then I'm going back to doing all that other stuff that was not helpful to me. Yeah, I feel uh, recently I've, I've been feeling like this maybe for like the past, I don't know, like a couple of months um, where I've been thinking about how just like the future my future in jujitsu because I see like other like established people in the community, like in the local community and what they're doing. And then I think, Hmm, what, what is like, what will I be doing once I get to wherever it is, whatever destination that is. But one thing I can say is that I'm not getting bored. I'm still having a blast. Um, and I don't really want to, I don't feel like slowing down in the way where like, yeah, I, you know, I'm motivated. I want to keep getting better. I want to keep competing and I want to keep challenging myself. And recently I've had people ask me like, what's next for you? Uh, after this, uh, jujitsu battle tournament in Vegas. And, you know, I think I need to probably today I was going to put, take some time out of the day and just kind of schedule what I want to do. I, I know it's no gi season right now. Uh, so I'm definitely going to go to Nogi Worlds, which is also in Vegas. Mm, do some local tournaments. But I think I really want to get better in the key. And I want to, you know, win some, some good tournaments in the key. So I'm going to start my camp for European geese, gi Euros and Worlds. I mean, t- okay. today, right? Like, to in- have it in my mind. Like, I'm going to win Euros. I'm going to win Worlds. Uh, someone said, you can't sign up for, like, a tournament, like, a month or two months in advance and say, like, I'm going to be world champion. You know, that, that takes, like, 
a year, two years of just like maybe, you know, in your thought, like in your mind, like as a goal, you can't just like short make that a short term goal it has to be a long term goal and you have to work towards it. When you're not doing jujitsu, when you're not, you know, just at the gym or anything, what are the things that you do kind of away from jujitsu that still kind of keeps you in tune with it? Um, to keep me in tune with it, you know, it's kind of weird. Uh, I I only do jujitsu stuff at the gym when I'm training, and then outside of my day, uh, I I do sauna every day, like five to six times a week. Um, go I go to like a twenty four hour fitness, hit the spa. That's all. I just like jump in and out of the pool, the sauna, the the hot tub, but. You know, as I'm going about my day, I guess my mind is on jujitsu. Uh, thinking about some roles I had, some techniques, some goals, things that are coming up. Yeah, so I, I guess uh, I'm always kind of like in that frequency of jujitsu. Even, you know, when I'm doing like, you know, I'll still like, if, if, you know, if I'm out with some friends or doing other things, you know, kind of like not think about it. It's more like when I'm by myself, where like like in the sauna, for example, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm gonna, I like going in there with no phone, nothing, just like a watch, and try and be there for like thirty minutes. That's where I'll start. Like, that's where when I'm by myself, my mind starts gravitating towards jujitsu. Okay, I always wonder about, you know, you know, other grapplers what they do away from away from the mat. And again, you have some people that just, as soon as they leave, they go right to sit down and look at stuff on YouTube. You know, you got some that are reading jujitsu books. Yeah. And, and I always wonder, you know, I always think, you know, it's like, you know, it's one thing to be in love with something and, and to, you know, always want to be actively, you know, engaged with it. But it's like, you know, at what point is that, you know, is, is there a need for a break from it or, you know, do you have like a healthy balance? It sounds like, you know, you have a, a solid balance, you know, away from the mat. I mean, obviously, you know, it still translates because you're out there kicking ass on the mats and everything and then coming away from it. It's like, okay, because I, I guess that's kind of the one thing I didn't realize, you know, as a white belt, you know, everyone that I knew that were training, you know, at the time. When we get away from the mats, I'd want to talk about jujitsu still. And they're like, Yeah, well, I don't want to talk about jujitsu. Let's talk about other things, like, you know, anything else. And that's what I found out a lot of them are like comic books. Like a lot of my teammates mm -hmm. are into comic books and comic book movies. I go, oh, okay, cool. That's, I guess it's okay to like other stuff away from just this. I don't have to get obsessed. Yeah. Um, Speaking yeah, of comic uh, books, yeah. uh, did you did you watch that Flash movie? Yes, I did actually. It was amazing, um, wasn't it? So I wasn't supposed to like that movie. <laughs> and, I, and then after we finished watching, I was like, holy shit, that was really good, actually. <laughs> like, Why do you say I, you weren't supposed to like it? Um, that, like, I've had an issue for a very long time with just the way that Warner Brothers has approached the DC properties of recent. Uh, after Dark Knight, I think they, after Dark Knight Returns, I think they you know, went back to reshuffle the deck because for the longest time, Warner Brothers was only really giving us Batman properties that that has some success. 
You know, there are other DC movies that came out, like Jonah Hex, as one example. Uh, it didn't do great, but I don't think a lot of people knew that was a DC comic. Um, I can't think of others off the Green top. Uh, yeah, Green Lantern was the other one, uh, which honestly, I did not hate that movie. So many people hate the movie, and it's like, I don't hate the movie. There are some things that were goofy, but the origin story and everything kind of lined up just right. But there was just something about it just that always felt off. And it could just yeah. be the CGI. I'm not sure, but it always felt wrong. But um, once the MCU came about, DC, um, you know, they're playing catch up. And they they were trying to fast track their own shared universe because I believe Zack Snyder, he wanted to make five movies. He wanted to do Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, um, Justice League, Wonder Woman, and Flash. And, you know, he wanted to be done with it. He was like, this is going to be the shared universe. All the Justice League will be there. Let's go. And Warner Brothers was like, well, no, you got to have an Aquaman movie in there. We got to put Suicide Squad in there. We got to put a Batman movie in there. We want to do what Marvel did. and We want to do it now. And from that point, I felt like everything was rushed. Everything was moving in a way that it shouldn't be moving. And I felt like Warner Brothers, there were too many executives in the room that weren't comic book fans. Whereas with the MCU, you had more fans working behind the scenes on the projects. And they, they gave some care to the characters. Uh, so when, when we get to, you know, all the stuff with The Flash, first off, I didn't like Ezra Miller as The Flash. It has nothing to do with his off-screen off problems. He He's done some wacky shit and got arrested, I think. <laughs> I, I couldn't... I didn't, I didn't like him at the... The first half of the movie, he was annoying the, the mm-hmm. heck out of me. And then once, and then once uh, he got his parallel universe version of himself, who was more annoying, he kind of like wasn't annoying anymore. Yeah. So that that version of Barry Allen is the one that you know would have loved to have seen in all the other stuff. The one that was more serious and kind of going with the, not the the goofy kid like if if you're playing wally west yeah yeah cool like he he fits that perfect but um going into the movie i was already thinking this kid's gonna annoy me or oh, they're gonna do the flashpoint uh story as well <sighs> okay i guess you know, but but at the beginning of the movie it, it right away i think he's running through the city and that part that, that was sick right away it, it was like okay this is cool uh, you know he was still being annoying whatever else but i was just like sticking around but then um when he starts traveling through time and he and he's and he's in the speed force i'm just like like i'm like like the, the graph like the cgi it was, it was cool um uh, and i'm just thinking like whoa like he's literally a, like a, a human with god powers just traveling through the time stream uh yes. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, the movie was great. I liked it, especially the end where you know he keeps trying his his counterpart mm-hmm. keeps trying to go back in time to, to stop everything, and he's like, "Stop! Like, like your yeah. your world is destined to die." And then um, you know he was having trouble accepting that. Oh, and Supergirl, that was that was pretty sick. She was in there. Yeah, um, 
it's funny because like the way that they like the way that the story came together, I was like, I like this. Like, I like it a lot. But going in, I was like, I'm not going to like this at all. And I think part of what helped me like it was that my expectations were pretty low. So coming in, it's like I didn't know what I was expecting to see. Yeah. So once the movie kicks off, I'm like, okay, business as usual. It's him, you know, being a character I'm not really interested in seeing. Um, then once, you know, the time travel stuff happens, it's like, okay, now I'm liking what I'm seeing because he gets to be serious playing off his goofy counterpart. And that worked for me versus because I was like, oh, my God, we're going to have two Barry Allens that are going to be fucking annoying this entire movie. Hey, I know I'm going to. Yeah. It was any naked like in the first half of the movie for a certain part. Uh, yeah, I think because, well, the, the second one, yeah, he, he didn't understand, like, moving that fast, the friction would destroy his clothes. So, yeah, so, uh, well, he was being, like, he was doing all sorts of weird stuff, like, in the first half of the movie, and then I was like, no wonder he's doing weird stuff off, like, off, like, off the set, because he was being weird in this first half of the movie. Yeah, probably, like, like. The funny thing about watching the movie, my wife didn't want to watch it because of the whole Ezra Miller off off screen stuff going on. I was like, look, man, I don't know what he's doing off screen. I don't care. It doesn't sound like it's good stuff. I'm not, and you know, there are a lot of people saying, oh, we, I'm not going to watch this movie because I don't want to support Ezra Miller's. Like, we also have to keep in mind Michael Keaton's in this movie. Um, you know, uh, you know, other actors are in this movie. I can't remember uh, the one the, oh, yeah. the guy who played his dad. Uh, uh, you know, all these characters. Spoiler, from spoiler the movie. alert: Michael Keaton dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like at this point, if people haven't, you know, if you haven't seen it, you gotta always expect that movie I'm talking about. We're gonna spoil it. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that's just how it goes. Although I, I the the new uh, Bruce Wayne. At the end, kind of caught me off guard. That shocked me. Bringing back George Clooney, so I thought that was funny. Um, but you know, it's like when people say, "Oh, I don't want to go support Ezra Miller." It's like, well, you're not just supporting Ezra Miller. You're, you're, there are other people who worked on this movie, the cameraman, the directors, you know, all this stuff. I mean, yeah. and honestly, this movie was supposed to come out years ago. It just kept getting delayed for one reason or the other, and now we see the new Aquaman on its way. Uh, to theaters now. The trailers dropped recently. Oh, nice. Um, and and people, what's that? Oh, sorry. I what blew my mind on the Aquaman was mm. the first Aquaman was when he went to the desert and then uh, they found the temple underneath the Sahara Desert. Yes. And then it made me think, yo, what's underneath the Sahara Desert? Yeah. Like, like imagine just like because you know the world earth's been around for like millions of years so imagine every, what's buried beneath the sands probably like temples and shit just like an aquaman well yeah like that's something my wife and i were just talking about the other day with the ocean because she was saying like apparently the pacific ocean is bigger than they thought and she was like i just find, oh no she said it was the largest ocean she was like i just find it hard to believe and i was like i mean there's a lot of shit out there. Like, I don't find anything hard to believe when it comes to the earth these days. It's like, we don't know what's at the bottom of the ocean. 
like you said, we don't know what's under all, you know, under the Sahara de- Desert. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that, you know, we are just so um, unaware of. And the thing that I do like about it is, like, we live in a movie of mm-hmm. sorts. Just, you know, when people go on adventures, you know, when people go to, like, the Amazon forest, you know, the Amazon rainforest down there. Like, we don't know. There's a lot of shit going on down there. And... Himalayan mountains. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, I, I think wasn't it in they like I, th- I want to say like the early 1900s. I guess they didn't know gorillas existed or something like that. No way. Like, I, I would fact check it, but you know I don't want facts to get away of a good story. So, um, yeah. But I remember hearing that you know, it was like the early 1900s. You know, no one had seen a gorilla. You know, at least here in the U.S. for sure. Oh, okay, makes um, sense. So, so they stumbled, you know, they stumbled upon it like out there, you know, in the mountains. And it was like, holy so, shit, like, what's yeah. that? Yeah. So, the way that, um, hmm, yeah, interesting. The way that, um, that stuff works is like, uh, you know, like in Peru, like Machu Picchu, uh, the, the pyramids, they, you know, it's not like it gets deserted because, uh, this is this is a question that I have. I probably will go ask ChatGPT later, but <laughs> you know, like things get rediscovered because you know, as yeah. the passage of time happens, things get abandoned. Um, for example, the the pyramids in Mexico. I saw this before and after photo, and it's just covered with like grass, like vines are growing over it, you know, and then it gets re and the locals they know about it. So it's even the pyramids, right? The locals, they know about it, but you know, because of technology, like there's no Wi-Fi, there's no photos, anything like that. You know, you can't really spread that information across the world. And then, um, and then, you know, as travel and and invasion happens, then, oh, wow, look at the pyramids. And then that's where the term rediscovery comes in, where they, they can share that with the new world with new people who, who've never seen it before, but the locals, you know, they for sure know about it. They're just, you know, they're not telling anyone. So that's kind of like the same in like the Himalayan mountains, you know, it's like a huge mountain range, like Nepal area where they say that there's this, have you heard of the drug Soma? Soma S O M A. I don't believe I have. So there's like a pharmaceutical drug, that's for like ADHD called Soma. We actually don't know what it looks like. We don't know. We, we suspect it's like a plant compound or something, but they say that only like the locals, like the native people from the Himalayan mountains, they know where to find it and turn it into this, into this uh, hallucinogenic drug. That's kind of like similar to like DMT and whatnot, but you know, it's, it just goes back to a well-kept local secret that the rest of the world doesn't really know, but you know, they hear rumors about, but you know, we just don't have all the details. Yeah. I think, you know, what you said there, you know, definitely, you know, checks out an idea that, yeah, lots of things are, you know, known to the locals, you know, especially when you look back in time too, when you go further back before um, internet and stuff like that, or even not even just the internet, but just, 
you know, quicker communication, whether it be phone, whether it be television, whether it be anything. Um, I, I sometimes think about that too. It's like, you know, I talk to a lot of different people th- because of this podcast, you know, from, you know, from various parts of the world. And I ask questions because I've never been there. So I'm always curious about, you know, you know, the ecosystem over there, things like that. You know, like I had a young lady uh, from Australia as a guest on recently. And my daughter is obsessed with Australia. I'm not sure why, but she's obsessed with it. And when my, when my wife told her I was going to have a guest on from Australia, you know, my daughter, like, oh, I want to ask some questions too. You know, it was mostly questions about animals. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing is like when you look at a place like Australia, you know, if we didn't have, you know, like the, the knowledge that we have now as far as like using the internet or, you know, travel like that, we wouldn't know that, you know, those creatures were there. So, could you imagine hopping up, you know, off a boat onto Australia? You see a fucking kangaroo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and why do I want to ride ride on its back right now? Or emu, you know? Yeah, I feel like with the internet, we're um really desensitized just to like a lot of beautiful things in the world, like like because you know we see or, or we got Animal Planet Discovery Channel. And you know it's always going to be dope. I've never seen a kangaroo. I don't think in person. Um, probably, I think I have seen a whale. Um, I mean, just these huge animals. Uh, to, you know, like I don't know. Like it's hard to because um, we see everything online. So you know, like oh, a lion. Okay, what else do we got? Oh, a giraffe. Okay, let's next animal. Next animal. When yeah. you know, there's like in person. You know, you can't really. Uh, it's, you can't really get that experience. Well, yeah, it's like thinking about the animals that, like the Michigan. Michigan is known as the Wolverine State, and they're they're University of Michigan, the Wolverines, go blue. Um, but from what I understand, you know, for whatever reason, they call it the Wolverine State. But Wolverines have never lived in the state of Michigan. You know, so then the question becomes like, well, where, did, where does that even come from? You know, has it maybe you know people long 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 ago you know encountered wolverines i don't know from what i understand it's a, a canadian critter anyway but oh, the damn, upper peninsula yeah. like that that's attached so it, it would make sense you know further up north but you know it's like i think about armadillos i've never seen an armadillo in my life not not in person so i mean and i'm i'm in maryland why would i what animal would you want to see in person and 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 you could touch you could pet but and it won't kill you hypothetically um huh. probably an ostrich i think you can pet an ostrich i don't, I don't know Do I, like i don't know man they look like they they look evil they look like they were yeah. i can't pet an ostrich so uh if i knew i could get my hands on one and just pet it i want to I think uh, I put a question, or no? I did I put a question, or yeah, I think I put a question up on Instagram the other day, asking like if you could uh, grapple with any animal, what would it be? And uh, my one friend Danny Patrick said he would grapple with an ostrich. I don't want to do that, but I would like to pet one. They have no hands or arms. 
Yeah, well, then he he was talking about basically they're dumb and you can choke them easy. And I was like, I guess that just doesn't seem fun. Like I, I'd want to grapple with the animal that's going to give me a challenge. I would grapple a a monkey, not a gorilla. Yeah, a monkey. Ooh. Like that. Yeah, that'd be a challenge. Oh, I don't know, man. Well, maybe a monkey. Uh, uh, well, not- there's different sizes of monkeys, right? Yeah, not like. True. I wouldn't want to grapple like a small monkey, maybe like a, a medium size monkey, hmm. like half the size of me. I mean, yeah, like I worry about apes, period, and mainly because of chimps. Like they, they, they're little monsters themselves, and they're. Yo, just I, I heard that in uh, in India. I saw this this news article thing where they're becoming a problem, all the monkeys, because mm-hmm. they're just like running amongst the city. So some of the like the, the citizens, the, the local people, started killing some of the monkeys. So the monkeys, oh, wow. they came, they came back and got revenge. Um, they they take dogs and they'll take them to the top of like a building and just drop them. Oh, I did hear about that. I did yeah. hear about like them taking dogs and throwing them off a of high like platforms. That that's telling you they're a problem. They're 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 little little monsters. These things, apes. But I love the Planet Apes movie series though. So, um, it might turn to that in the, the next hundred years. Maybe, maybe. I mean, the the way that that movie kind of. Uh, the first one of the new series, the way that it kind of comes about, it makes sense. You know, it's like, you know, they're trying to work on an Alzheimer's uh, drug and it wasn't working for humans. It was actually uh, worked for apes, though, making them a lot smarter. But people were getting sick mm-hmm. and then they started kind of dying off and the apes started kind of thriving. Yeah. So, yeah. That's exactly I think, what I thought when COVID hit. I was like, oh no, yeah. it's fine. I think it was it was Planet of the Apes, James Cameron. No, Michael Bay. Uh, so uh the, 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 the newer ones. Um, I don't oh here's let me see here. So I know uh Tim Burton did a Planet of the Apes in the early two thousands with Marky Mark. Um but I don't know who did the newer ones. Let me Look here, real quick, though. Looking it up too. Perfect. You're probably a lot faster than I am. Matt Reeves. Yes. Yes. So I think that like those movies, like Planet of the Apes, Interstellar, Avatar, Mm -hmm. those are like, you know, we we watch those movies and we're all like, oh my, like oh like, you know, what a great movie, and that's kind of it. But it it comes from the mind of like a director of a creative team who probably have like, you know, they do a lot of research, you know, with society, they probably write a good amount of books. Uh, and they see where they have a vision where, of where society can lead, you know, uh, or can go, yeah, can go yeah. based off certain factors. So then they create these movies and, you know, we think that they're just like, Oh, it's not fiction or whatever. But a lot of them, you know, have a lot of possibilities to actually come into fruition and happen. You know, it, 
maybe you know there take it'll take but at the end of the day right we're, we're only in one point in time of of all of the history of the earth yes so anything can happen you know like like whenever i look at movies like planet of the apes or um interstellar or book of eli is yeah. one that i always really uh claim will smith is in that one right <clears throat> no, no, uh, no denzel denzel, yeah, denzel so. um and gary Oldman. washington yeah uh yeah yeah um you know when i look at you know a movie like that and you think like i guess what happened in the movie is like uh everyone ended up essentially going blind there's like the uh, nuclear war, I believe, and it shined bright and, you know, blind most people. There's still a lot of people that can see. But, um, you know, I think about that because, you know, I sometimes wonder, it's like, where are we going as, as, a, as a world? You know, there's always so much turmoil. And then, you know, when you get to that, that point of like kind of a dystopian world, a dystopian future, you're like COVID for a minute had me worried. Because you start thinking, it's like, you know, how are people going to start behaving? People start, like, you know, acting out because they think, oh, well, you know, it's a lawless world now. Like, I can go do whatever I want. And, you know, that's where things can become problematic in, in, in that sense of, you know, are you prepared? You know, are you prepared to fight? You know, are you prepared to survive? Um, you know, you know, and that's just one one portion of just like thinking about movies, you know, becoming reality, you know, then when you take it to the animals and stuff, you know, again, you look at something like Avatar or, you know, yeah, I, I guess I haven't, I haven't seen the new one. My wife watched it. I think she, I haven't watched it, it either. Uh, but like, you know, you think about like underwater stuff and, you know, cause again, we don't know what the hell's in that ocean. There's a lot of Atlante Atlanteans can choose to and declare war on us in like five years or something. Yeah, like I mean, watching uh, uh, Wakanda Forever, you know, when Namor's people were like, "All right, well, we're gonna go ahead, you know, and and attack," and they were super strong. I missed and, that one too. I only watched the first Black Panther. Oh man, you gotta see the second one. It, it's <clears throat> I don't know which one I like more. But I love both. Uh, the, the, yeah, the first one was awesome. First one, yeah, I, I like. I loved it, but the second one just adds something different to it. And you think without uh, Chadwick Boseman, you you think like, oh man, how are they going to pick up the pieces? I think they did the best that they could do with what they had, and it worked out. Uh, mm -hmm. Just one sec. This is mucus buildup that's kicking the show oh, it is so do you have tea trio uh i don't know we do not uh, so boil with some water right get it nice get it boiled and uh just drop some tea tree oil in there and uh it's gonna the the fume not the fumes but like the it's gonna evaporate the, the, and it's yeah, just the gonna, vapors. it hits straight in the back of your nose and it'll like clear up your congestion i mean you'll still have the mucus but like It'll it'll clear it up for like a couple minutes, give you some relief. Yeah, that I have something, uh, some Vicks. Uh, this this thing I put in the shower, and it the vapors like fill up and just clear all of it out. 
okay. It's it's wild because I did it um, last time I was sick. And it it, it felt like it was overpowering because it dried me out. Like, it it drained me and then dried me. I was like, holy shit, this this is a bit much. Yeah, try the tea tree. Last night I had banchan, banchan, the Korean food. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was like, it was super spicy, but not only that, the, the food was kind of hot, right? And you know, I'm hungry, so hungry. So I'm like trying to eat it fast. And I start, and then because of the spice, I'm just choking for like 10 minutes, like just coughing all over the place. <laughs> it was good though. When we did the Hot Ones Challenge here on the podcast, we had 10, 10 sauces. I made it to number eight. And then uh, once we got to number nine, that's where I, and I didn't think I was going to make that far. I hate spicy food. Um, but my buddy, my co-host for my other podcast, he cannot taste spice. Like, Ooh. it does not affect him at all. All of the spices, he plowed through it. He did He did the one chip challenge. He actually ate two of them right in front of me. I took the video. He didn't want to put the video up, though, because he was drunk and he just, he was self-conscious about his slurring. And I was like, look, man, I don't care about your slurring. Like, <laughs> we need this content. Yeah, this content is, is I mean, and, and the thing is, I keep telling him, I was like, dude, you can't taste spice. You can make so much money off that because he's obsessed with the idea of going viral and i don't care about going viral at all period it's just not something i'm interested in i don't like to do video content i'm just not that you know it's not for me but i told him for the show do what you want and i told him was like if you're so obsessed with going viral you should honestly do the one chip challenge on camera and I promise you that fucking takes off because people are like, what the fuck? That guy can't taste spice. Like, yeah, you know, man. some some kid I, I saw a couple of days ago that he died from the chip challenge, but I think he ate like six chips or something. Ooh, that's lunacy. Yeah. What you doing, son? Quick question. Um, um, yes. So you say you don't, but you know, I feel like you are kind of viral. You know, being BJJ Wiki, having your podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, me, like, personally, like, I don't, like, before, when this podcast first started, I had a different uh, setup, so I had, like, you know, the webcam that you kind of adjust on top of the computer, like, that was uh, detached, so most of the time, I would have it where you could only see half my face, or you, you could, like, only see my eye, I hate being on camera, um, but I still keep the camera to some distent because, or some extent, not descent, some extent because I want to, I think it's important to be able to have kind of a visual back and forth to some degree. Um, but I'm not comfortable on camera. W- one thing we were talking about last week at class is that, um, like, my teammate was like, here, you know, I want to get a team picture. You know, there's a few of us in the picture. And I'm smiling afterwards, like, dude, I have the most awkward, like, smile. I just, I, I have to remind myself to smile. Like, like when I'm walking through the hospital, uh, dropping one of my guys off for work, I, um, I walk back up, you know, to the main area and I cross paths with people and I feel like I'm smiling at people. I call to look at myself in the mirror. It was not a smile. 
It was far from a smile. I was like, dude, I felt like all my smile muscles were activated, and that was not a smile. That lady probably thinks I'm a serial killer. <laughs> I felt like that before. Uh, so, you know, I've been making like a bunch of videos, posting them on Instagram. I post a lot of stories. Mm. Um, and before, like, social, before I would do all this, you know, I, I wasn't posting anything on social media. There was probably like a three year period where I, I was on there, maybe posting stories, but not really like posting anything. Yeah. And then once I started jujitsu, you know, I wanted to kind of like, I, I knew I could be more confident within, within myself. And I had, in order to grow, you, you know, you have to step outside the comfort zone. So, you know, I started like, you know, posting videos on, on Instagram are competing too most of my content that i post is just like me competing you know just a bunch of highlights and things like that but um you know i'm also like on camera i feel like i get kind of awkward or whatever but i've been like i still do it just so i can get better at it and not with the intention of going viral or anything i just enjoy it i feel like i'm the main character you know this is my page to my instagram I'm the main character in my uh, in my jujitsu journey because I, you know I'm the one having to go out, having to compete, having to do all this, uh, and you know there's always cameras, there's photographers, there's everything. So sure. Sure. so you have to like kind of I guess like prepare for not prepare for it, but you know just know that it's there, and and you know now it's like when I go to like like for my competition in in Vegas. Um, you know, you, I, you know, you got to, I'm like practicing with like, okay, when I win, what, what should I do? Cause then you, you see sometimes people like, you know, they have their own, um, their own, you know, in that video game, like you, like, and I play destiny. So I'm going to use destiny for an example. Yeah. When you like, you know, you, you dance on them, you, you, you taunt them or something. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of athletes that have good showmanship, they, they have something at the end. I don't really have anything yet. You know, I just throw two two fingers up in the air. <laughs> Sometimes um, that's all it takes. Yeah, but I'm working on it just because it's like it's fun. It's like a new it's a new skill that I'm developing. Uh, be, being comfortable on camera while performing. You know, it. I think for me, I, I feel like there are times where I'm like, I think I do a good job at avoiding, like like you said, there are cameras everywhere. So you're not going to really avoid them. But I feel like I do a good job at like not acknowledging them. Mm -hmm. So like at work, there are cameras everywhere. Like non, you know, just at every point, which is fine. At the hospital, there's cameras everywhere. At the golf course where I take my guy to do his um, internship, cameras everywhere. And I do a good job, I think, at just not acknowledging the existence of them. Now, for me, and I'm, I'm also, I think generationally as well, it does play a little bit of a difference just because, like, I'm 45. So I'm kind of in that weird middle gap where I grew up without the internet, but I was young enough to experience the internet in its infancy and kind of grow with it. And that also kind of goes along with, you know, YouTube and viral videos and things like that. So when it comes to you know that kind of content i was always aware for myself of 
wanted to avoid it just because there's a discomfort with cameras mm-hmm. for me, period. But I, I've always felt like it also there's this thing of perfectionism for me. So I'll see a video and like, like looking at your scenery right now, you could do a review video. No problem. It'll be, it, it'll work and it feels like it fits. I would sit here and do a review video and I would stress and be like, uh, maybe I should change this angle. Let's see. Let's, let's get here. No, 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 no. Let's get here. No, no, no. Okay. Let's move the camera here. You know, and I think that's a problem I actually have also with jujitsu though, mm-hmm. with doing techniques. I want to make everything so perfect. And if I can't do it, then I stress out about it. And then I freak out. Meanwhile, if I do it in the, in the middle of a roll and it's not perfect, and I'm like, damn, dude, that it sucked. And the coach was like, but you landed the move. So, like, the fact that you drilled it this much, you knew when to do it, your body control was good, da da da. And it's like, and I think about that when it comes to content as well. It's like, there should be more content that I should do as far as videos go. But then I also feel like I would stress myself out a lot more trying to be perfect with these videos. Yeah. So, just being myself with these videos. Yeah. Uh, adding to that, uh, some of my teammates at the gym, uh, sometimes I'll have them like, I, I want to make like a video. I have like maybe two or three like videos, like talking videos on my Instagram. I need to make some more. But I, I, I ask for their help to, to help film. And I'll be like, no, this is all off. If we get this angle, no, do it like this. And, and, then, uh, and then they'll be like, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And then I'll be like, no, nah, it's okay. You know, you, you're, like, it's, you're not a videographer, right? You, it, the thing, because if you think back to like, to like a movie, you know, mm. they, how, many, how many reshots do you think they, they do of a scene? Hundreds of them, maybe. You're right. So, you know, if, and then you want to, you don't want to be too extreme like that. So, you know, I, what, what I've thought and my thought process has been like, okay, this is good enough. Seven out of 10. I'll just drop the video. Uh, I won't be good at it today. Won't be perfect today. Hopefully, three months from now, when I make another one, I'll get better at it and the video will be better because. You know, you, we post something, or in my case, I'll post something. Not anymore. But, you know, at first I would post something and then be worried, like, oh, like, this is off. This looks weird. But now I don't really care about any of that. I can just drop a video and not even worry about, like, who who watched it. You know, I, I will look at, like, the data insights just for, like, a data standpoint. Um, sure, sure. But other than that, not, I'm not really like beating myself up over it. But then that's a skill that you develop. It, it's not something that you can just like have the first time. Um, and I actually do want to make a review video. Maybe I think this week, just like reviewing my match, my tournament. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how that goes. So keep a lookout for that. Uh, oh, I need to pick a scenery. Um, so. I, in what you're saying there, I mean, definitely makes sense, and I get it. I see. I'm that way when it comes to like podcasts and audio, though, because I'm yeah. very much like, you know. So, for example, when I do my horror podcasts, I'm I'm a little particular about that. 
because horror is very that podcast tends to stay in that pocket in that pocket only when i do off the mats we talk about anything and everything it, it, it nothing's off off limits but when it comes to the horror podcast i stay in that pocket 100 so with that i'm a little bit more guarded when it comes to off the mats i do any any kind of episode i'll do episodes on mental health i did an episode with with a co-worker who's a polyamorous relationship so we we sat and talked about that uh you know i'll do episodes on pro wrestling and it's more like a you know this is all sparring for me i'm learning now when it comes to doing my beer review show it's a whole lot different because even though it's beer review we talk about everything that like the dry race board is still here. What did we talk about last episode? NFL week two, uh, UFC 293, uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunitz and Danny Masterson and all that stuff going on with, with the stuff there. Mm-hmm. The trans athlete in the BJJ match. Uh, we talked about urban legends, the movie get out the movie. We talked about 90, you know, so it's like with all those goofy, things, good it's like, I, I got to cut it in half because we we went four hours and we should not have ever gone four hours. That's ridiculous to be going that long. But we had so many weird topics that were just crisscrossing each other. We're just like, okay, just keep going. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. We're going to go. Four hours. You're basically Joe Rogan at that point. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I was like. Yeah, just cut it in. I, I'm going to put half of it out today and then the other half out on Tuesday just so that way. No one feels like they have to sit and listen to four hours of a podcast of us. Um, even though if you're like, hey, I want to get to the bottom of the full story, you'll probably listen to four hours of it. But mm-hmm. um, but the thing is, when I do that show, there's there's no care of, oh, we have to do it this way or we have to do it that way. It's really I just turn on the mics, hit record, and we start talking. So... That's actually a good point, a good segue into what, what I wanted to ask you. So this right. morning, actually, I was like scrolling on Instagram. You know Gary B? Yes. Yeah, right. So uh, he had this post that says, um, if you don't have like a, a podcast, it's let me see, it's probably his most recent one right here. Yeah, I think I know what post you're talking about. Oh, you saw it too? Uh, yes, I believe I saw it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, here it is. Actually, no, nah, it was too many posts. But he was basically saying that, you know, we're in, we're in 2023, right here, when content creators still haven't started a podcast in 2023. Yes. Uh, and then I'm, I'm looking at that, I'm like, dang, should I start a podcast? Uh, and then, you know, you see all these people uh, in the comments, even I've heard people in person say, Oh, there's too many podcasts. People shouldn't have a podcast. But then, at the that's just like, I feel like that's kind of like um, like you cannot have a podcast. You don't have to listen to mine. At the end of the yeah. day, we're like we're all creators, right? Like in, in in whatever we choose to create, we're not necessarily like like with a podcast or social media, just in general, right? Like a like a like a a carpenter creates, a web designer creates, that type of stuff. Um, so I was like, I kind of, I would be cool to have one. So how would you, what would you recommend would be the first steps to get started? So 
I, I can kind of go down the path that I like paint that path out. First thing I did was get equipment. Well, no, the first thing I did was uh, get the ideal, what I wanted to do. Um, I actually started jujitsu because I wanted to start a podcast about MMA, but I didn't want to have that podcast going and not know anything about jujitsu. So I ended up going into jujitsu thinking, okay, this is going to just supplement this podcast. I'm going to start. And I ended up not doing the podcast that I wanted to do fast forward four and a half years later, I think something like that. Five years later, I'm sitting there and I was like, you know what? I think I want to try this podcast thing again. And I think I want to talk about jujitsu, but not just jujitsu. I want to talk to people who aren't like Gordon Ryan, Craig. I don't want to talk to like big names. I want to talk to regular everyday folks about their jujitsu journey because that's a voice that's never heard. You know, it's always the big names that are heard. I want, you know, the, the regular everyday voices heard. So that was my premise was regular everyday folks um, talking about jujitsu, talking about life. So that that's the first thing I started with was the ideal, what I want to do. Then for me, I kind of started, I gave myself an initial guest list because I, I didn't want to have a co-host because having a co-host was going to cause, uh, for me, um, I don't want to say problems, but you have to work around schedules. You have to, you know, work around the schedule of your co-host plus the guest. Um, so it was like, I'm just going to do just me, just a guest. Let me make a guest list now. Let me reach out to people who would be interested. So I, I contacted several of my Instagram jujitsu friends, and most of them were on board. I had one that said outright no. Uh, they, they just didn't feel comfortable. Another person who kept uh, saying yes but then flaking. <clears throat> so the base was ideal, uh, you know, what you want it to be about. And then once I got the ideal, then came equipment. Um, and, and then from that point, you know, really the biggest thing is just all your preparation. Ideal, equipment, guest. What kind of um, equipment? So for me, I ended up, I don't even actually have the equipment anymore. Um, I got a, a, a mixer. I actually have two mixers right here. Um, one of which is no longer in use, and the other one is kind of a full-timer. So I got one of these little things. Um, plug my microphones in there. Plug my headphones in here. Um, it has like a little soundboard, so I want to have sound effects to the show. That's available to me as well. And... That this here, I think, was 150. Um, and then microphones, I, I get like little cheap microphones off Amazon, like I think like 15, 20 bucks. <clears throat> Nothing special. We don't, we don't, uh, here at the Oftimass Podcast, we do not spend a lot of money on things. <laughs> we are cheap. Uh, the microphone that I'm using now was given to me from a friend. And um, so that also works too. Like I, I've lucked out and run into a lot of those situations. Um, now if you're using your laptop or, you know, that's probably ideal as far as like, um, stuff, stuff like this, what we're doing here for streaming, but you know, you can use your phone. You can, uh, this little mixer here actually has 
uh, where you can put a memory card in and just record onto the memory card and then do whatever it is they do with that. I don't know. I use the memory card slot to uh, put sounds on because I, I like having a soundboard. Uh, from that point, like I said, the, the biggest thing was just like kind of preparing and organizing all my thoughts, getting things in order because the way that I've done things in the past, it was just kind of like jump out there and, and swim. You'll figure it out. But with the podcast, I did make like a list of like when I would record, when episodes will go out. Um, the big thing to me was consistency. Uh, the one rule that I made to myself for all three of my podcasts, never miss an episode. Because if you have people that listen regularly, if your episodes come out on Monday and they listen regularly, they're going to be looking for it on Monday. They may not listen to it on Monday. They might listen to it on Tuesday or Wednesday. But seeing that it's there, you know that it's there for you later. Um, that That's a big rule. A uh, podcast I used to work on before, Nerd Rage Radio, they've been going for, uh, my kids, seven years old. So they've been going for about eight years, maybe nine years now. Never missed a week. Um, I just think that's very important to always consistently put out your content. That's why I try to get episodes kind of piled up beforehand so that way I know I have something available. Um, and even with you and I, I think we we discussed recording uh, possibly last week. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, snap. Um, okay, let me reach out to Carlos to see if he's still available because I need you for tomorrow's episode. Uh, I actually do have an episode that could fill in for tomorrow, but I wanted to kind of stagger that one because it's a it's a uh, uh, it's a dual episode for my horror podcast. The author that I I had on she wrote a horror book, but she also trains jujitsu. So oh. I didn't want to put it out back to back because I just came out Friday and I didn't want to put it out again on Monday under off the mats. So was that her? Is started. that her first book that she's wrote? Uh, it's her first horror book. Um, she's got two other books um, okay. as well, but you know, this was the I, first time she wrote a horror book. That's something else that's been like on my list of things to do, write a book. Um, so there's a, when it comes to like martial arts, it's something that's like, before I, I train, it'd be always something that I would see and I would have like an interest inside of me that goes like, huh? And then I just, you know, never did it until I finally did it. And a few other things that that, are, that that were like that was with magic. I can, I can, I, I kind of stopped with that, but I can, I should pick it back up. Um, but one thing that I haven't started with and feel the same way with are stand up comedy and and writing a book. Yeah, like writing a book, and I used to write. And there are times when I'm like, I want to go back to it. Um, and talking with my uh, teammate who who wrote the book, and just kind of listen to the process. It, it it's you know because that was the big thing was like, how do you do like how's your process work? Everyone does it different, obviously. It's like, like that's something I'm interested in too. But also, I encourage stuff like that. You know, it's like. You seem to have like, you know, just a sense of adventure, just like, you know, kind of that, like try anything once uh, kind of attitude. So it's like, you know, the idea of like, hey, I want to, you know, possibly get into a podcast. 
Go do it. Maybe do stand-up comedy. Go do it. Maybe write a book. Go do it. At least you could say you tried it. Mm-hmm. And if it worked out, cool. You got something to run with. If it didn't work out, you tried. And you know. Yeah. Now you know. Um, you know, but I, I'm trying to think with that episode. It's funny because I like when I played it back for the edit, I was uh, trying to fix it so it will work one way for the horror podcast and one way for the uh, off the mats. So I'm trying to think, uh, you know, she does give kind of some pointers on, you know, if you want to become a writer, you know, steps to take, things to do, uh, people to be in contact with. So um, I would say, you know, give one of those episodes a, a listen because there'll be some. What, what, is, what is your, um, what is the name of that podcast that you have? The horror podcast is called So You Like Horror. Okay. Um, you know, I'll send you the link on uh, your Instagram real quick. Um, or I'll, I'll uh, add you from there. So that way you'll I'm looking it up right now. So You Like Horror. There it is. Jake Dante. Perfect. Um, oh, dang. This one has um, a, lot of, a lot of followers. Yeah. Is uh, more than PJ Wiki? Oh, not at all. Like, okay yeah it doesn't don't don't put me down like that <laughs> um, <laughs> you know that like that one i i think um you know just the content is very specific there so mm-hmm. um I, I always try to uh deal with it a certain way but i would say yeah if you're gonna do a podcast um one of the big things again is just being prepared and making a list. Preparation is everything. Uh, first off, figure out what you want to talk about. Uh, second, figure out if you're going to have guests. Make your guest list in advance. So that way, like, I didn't think I was going to get past two episodes because my second guest was the one that kept flaking on me. So I had to shuffle the deck and, and scramble for people at the last second. And mind you, I was doing this weekly, so it wasn't even like I was smart enough to understand to do like, you know, several episodes in a week to have them spaced out. I was just waiting each week to talk to people. So mm-hmm. when that guy had bailed on me on a Friday and I had to put this out on a Monday, I had to rush to find someone on a uh, Sunday afternoon and then try to edit it and get it out, which it, it worked. And then, you know, from there, I started figuring out, I need to talk to people in advance and, and get a list together for my guest. But, uh, yeah, if you if you uh, need to use a platform, I would say use Spotify for podcasters because that's where you're going to launch everything from. <clears throat> and then um, I, I think the biggest thing following all of that would be just kind of promoting it. How you promote it, do you... You know, do you have your own dedicated uh, Instagram to it, or do you kind of piggyback off what you already have? Um, and, you know, there's a lot to it, and that's kind of how Off the Mat's uh, Instagram came about. Is I was like, well, I already have BJJ Wiki, and I have enough followers there. A lot of people came from the BJJ Wiki to the Off the Mat's Instagram, and uh, that did help the podcast grow there as well. So I think um, just having the right support in your corner. It, it goes a long way because in the beginning I look back on some of the Instagram stories and I saw a lot of people that were supporting it and it actually I got emotional because it was like mm-hmm. dude this was really really nice really really cool that so many people was in my corner and they, they backed me up and I didn't believe in myself and these folks did and I think that really really pushed me because they're like look dude 
you can do this. Like, uh, you know, we, we think you're excellent with people and, and you're, you're understanding and listening. And I was like, am I? Huh? Okay. And then, yeah. you know, start happening. So, but, but yeah, I, I definitely encourage doing a podcast. I tell everybody to do a podcast because why not? You know, when, when people are making articles saying there are too many podcasts, I mean, maybe, but I can also argue that there's too many YouTube channels. There's too many uh, TV shows. There's too mm-hmm. many uh, musicians. There's exactly, too many yeah. And everybody likes something different. So, you know, if you do a podcast and you say, hey, I want to talk about exotic animals of, you know, you know, the, the you know, African wilderness. You're going to have. There we go. Th- th- there it is. That's my uh, my first podcast is going to be about animals. And Dude. I'm going to have I'm going to have Steve Irwin's son on there. What's his name? I don't know. I don't know. Let me see. You just inspired yeah. me. And animal- oh, his name is Robert Irwin. I, for some reason, I had a feeling it was something with an R. I was like, could it be Ryan? Like, Robert, Robert it is. I just made a note. Um, Make an animal podcast. I mean, I, I think there's just, there's a market for everything. Um, you know, it's like, when you look at what what things people are interested in. When, when my buddy and I, we did the Colompton Beer Club, it was supposed to be the Colompton Social Club. That's what we started as. And he was like, well, I think part of our issue is we don't have like a dedicated like what this show is about. But we drank beer every episode and we reviewed them as well. So it was like, let's call it the let's call it beer club. And I was like, no, we got to keep Colompton. Colompton mm-hmm. is our brand. Like and people are like, well, what's a Colompton? Doesn't matter what a Colompton is. We're Colompton. And what Colompton really is, is we're, we grew up in Columbia, Maryland. We like uh, NWA growing up, and they're from Compton, so we're like we're gonna mesh the two things together, Compton. Um, and he was like, "Let's you know call it uh, Bear Club then." So we're like Compton Bear Club, and we picked up more followers, not as many, but at least it's a dedicated thing now, and we get people giving us beer suggestions. We get people, you know, commenting on like some of our ratings of the beers. Uh, and, and that's just the thing. It's like, at the end of the day, whether people are there to say, like, if you listen to a different beer podcast and they're very serious and they're like, look, we're, you know, we're drinking this beer and blah, blah, blah. And they talk about all the ins and outs about the beer. Kudos to them. That That's amazing. We don't do that. We drink the beer. You tell me the percentage. Oh, that's a nine percenter. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I'm going to give you a high score because you're going to get me drunker faster. But in between all that, we're also going to talk about Scientology, Ashton Kutcher, Danny Masterson, uh, uh, movies, uh, throwing balloons in the air as kids and getting pin pals from it. That was a really risky thing to do in the 80s, but whatever. Uh, and Shakira. You know, we we just have fun with it. That's that's what that podcast brings. <laughs> yeah. A little sneak peek for any viewers who want to check that out. I, I usually tell people don't check it out because we are we are we don't intentionally try to offend, but from what I understand, some people who thought, oh, this should be a good listen came back and they're like, You guys are horrible. <laughs> like, how are you the same person? I was like, I, I don't I mean, I'm just having a conversation with a friend. So it's it, just, have just some open minded free thinking. Yeah. I mean, and that's how all my podcasts are. It's like 
you're gonna get my honest opinion on anything here. Like you ask me something, I'm gonna tell you how I feel. If you if you if you feel a way about something, I respect the way you feel. But if you say how do I feel, you know, in, in conjunction with your feelings, if I disagree, I'll just tell you I disagree, but I'll be nice about it. I'm not gonna be like, you know, if you're like, I really love the movie, um, you know, the Joy Luck Club or whatever the fuck. And I'd be like, okay, well, that's cool. I what I didn't really fucking get about it was I didn't understand this, 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 and that. Now I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I'm just saying I didn't get it, so it wasn't really bad. And I don't fuck with it. Yeah, but <laughs> so many people will crucify you for not liking something they like, and I'm like, like that. What's the problem with me having my own opinion? I don't like it. Like I, I like I remember I had a friend. I'd never seen the TV show Archer. I have now, and I love it. But I remember I, I love that guy, show too. She was like, she said something from the show. I was like, what? She was like, from Archer? I was like, I've never seen Archer. She was like, what? Are you serious? How have you never seen Archer? This is the greatest show ever. I was like, okay. Settle down, bitch. Uh, but yeah. So I, I guess kind of how this all comes back to base is do a podcast, Carlos. I recommend it. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I got to start it. And, and also keep in mind to um, never be in a rush. Mm-hmm. Like, like people will tell you an episode should be so long. Make the episode as long as you want it to be. I have a group of friends that do a show right now, and they are very strict about the ninety-minute rule. And that's fine because there are times where I do episodes where it's like ninety minutes. I don't want to do ninety minutes. Or there'll be episodes where it's like we hit the ninety-minute mark, and I'm like, "Fuck those rules! I want to keep talking. Let's go." Um. You know, this topic is strong right now. So you, you you will run into these things where, you know, you might have an episode where you feel like you want to go longer. Do what you want. It's your show. That's the beauty of a podcast is you don't have producers telling you what to do. You can have whatever topics you want, whatever guests you want, talk however long you want. And it's yours. Because ultimately what it comes down to is, if there's any backlash, that's going to be your backlash, and you can handle it how you handle it. Whereas if you have people like a network, they're like, you're going to make us all look bad. It's like, you sound like my mom. Fucking relax. Like, it's it's all yours. Just do, do what you do and have fun with it. That is the biggest thing. If it's not fun, then why do it? That's why I do the horror podcast. That's why I do the beer podcast. That's why I do this podcast. I have fun talking to everyone that comes on this show. I have fun watching horror movies and researching and talking to all my guests there. I have fun drinking beer with my buddy and saying horrible things to him and his younger brother. And they say it back to me. And it's just podcast to me is just, you know, being candid and people get to listen in on it. People get to hear and say, oh, my God, Dante's a jerk or, oh, my goodness, Dante's so cool. And I'm like, I guess I'm just a dude saying shit. Um. But yeah, uh, at the end of the day, just have fun with it, and and as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying it, that's what counts. People have told me to have this guest or that guest, and have so and so on the show. If those aren't the people I want to talk to, I'm not having them on the show. Um, so yeah, with that being what it is, uh, before we get out of here, um. 
so we know upcoming in November, you should mm-hmm. be uh, fighting for that purple belt title. Uh, as we're kind of rounding out 2023, uh, for 2024, we still got a little bit of time, but any, uh, goals or ideals that you set going into the new year and jujitsu yep or anything really jujitsu is kind of you know the, the the big point but anything period i mean like we just talked about podcasting writing books you know so yeah you know anything so yeah i feel like to, yeah to end up to end this off i'm having a lot of fun doing jujitsu but i think and I do have some more goals uh, that are, you know, jiu-jitsu specific. But the creativity and the goal setting and just the, the drive that I get from jiu-jitsu, I want to um, start not in other areas of life, such as, you know, what we spoke about. You know, maybe starting a podcast, writing a book, stand-up comedy. Um and I've kind of already started taking a few, a few uh, small steps in some areas. Uh, but, you know, I think that's kind of what I'm, um, I'm getting from jujitsu. This, this, I've got I've, this creative touch, this confidence boost that I can do whatever I set my mind to outside of jujitsu because of what I created already with jujitsu. Uh, so going into 2024, uh, you know, well, I want to expand my creativity and maybe have, a, you know, open up some new social media accounts that aren't jujitsu related. They're, you know, something different that, so that, you know, I can uh, put more of what makes me, me out there. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a, a small part. You know, if you go on my social media, it's Carlos Cruz BJ, and it's just a bunch of like jujitsu stuff. But that's what I've chosen to show people, and I still have a lot more to show. Perfect. I, I think, um, you know, expanding on that and letting people see that there's more to Carlos than just jujitsu is an excellent thing. And wherever you choose to go, um, you know, with 2024, hey. BJJ Wiki off the mats podcast, full supporter, son. So, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. Jake. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you for making the time to do this. And I mean, you started it, man. You reached out to me and, and yeah. I was like, hey, man, I got your belt. And I was confused. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what you talking about, man? Like, oh, oh, shit. So, I'm glad we had that encounter. I'm glad that you know you've come on now twice and i look forward to having you back on you know for many more you know maybe talk about what's going on with that 2024 plan and what's going on maybe even leading up to your uh your match on uh the fourth too so you know, mm-hmm. let's you know kind of connect on that but before we get out of here shout outs or mentions you want to drop for us yeah um shout out home academy one world jiu-jitsu uh, shout out my brother Mario Cruz. He just won his super fight this weekend by mm-hmm. submission. He um, he submitted a pro MMA fighter who's four and zero. He submitted him with an armbar at the young age of seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, shout out my teammates, everyone who supports me. 
All right. And uh, any any uh, anyone else? Anything else? Oh dang, man! I'm probably uh, later on in the day would be like I should have said something else, but <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't at the moment. No. All right. No problem. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Well, as always, to everyone else out there listening, thank you for the support. Thank you just for the love. And like I was saying earlier, I looked back uh, at the beginning and just seeing all the original mentions and shares about the podcast. Thank you, everyone, you know, for that. And thank you who's been here from that point and you're still here riding with me. I appreciate it. If you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out. You can find me here at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mass podcast on Instagram. Um, either way it goes, you shoot me a message. I'll respond. I'm that kind of guy. I, I, I don't I, I never have the ideal in my mind, oh, I'm above responding to anyone. Like if it weren't for you all, I wouldn't have the following that I have. So always feel free to reach out and I will always get back to you. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to my crew over there at Nerd Rage Radio. Bobby, Chris, Joe. Um, if it wasn't for Nerd Rage Radio, I wouldn't be doing podcasting. So thank you. So I got my start and that's where I branched off. So uh, thank you guys. Love you to death. I know you guys probably aren't hearing it this far in, but still love you guys. Um, also want to give a shout out to my other podcast here. So you like horror. If you're interested in horror movies horror stories come to that podcast we've been talking about horror movies through the decades uh for all of 2023 we started back in january we just got done with the 2000s i just had one of my teammates on who wrote a horror book um and uh, her episode has been posted and you know having a good time over there we're going to continue that journey on with the 2010s and horror in the next couple weeks and yeah, we just have fun with it. So go check it out. It's called So You Like Horror. You can find us on Instagram. All the words are separated by underscores. And then, um, yeah, that's all we got here. And last but not least, big shout out to my guest here, Mr. Carlos Cruz. Go follow him on Instagram, Carlos Cruz BJJ. Uh, he's killing it out there on the mats. Uh, freshly promoted purple belt. So, and he's still running the game. He, he, he ain't changing, you know, even a little bit. He's like, you know what? Cool. Got my purple. The show must go on. So shout out to Carlos as well. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, love you guys. You guys keep listening to the show and we'll keep making them. Thank you, everybody. And bye. They poison. Now let me see his song.